Good morning, Lismore. It's great to be here this morning. I um, used to live in this area when I was much younger. I lived, well, not, not this area, but a little bit south. I lived in Grafton for a few years when my dad was a minister there, and he also had McLean, so I guess you could kind of say this is sort of kind of my area, but it's not, it's not really. I'm, I now live in Curranbong, and I'm studying theology at Avondale College, and I'm into my third year, well, halfway through my third year, only three semesters left, so I'm sure I'll be out of college before I know it and in ministry for real. And this week, when I was thinking uh, about the sermon, Tim informed me that you guys have been going through Hebrews, so I thought we might, might continue that. But before I open the word, I might just have a quick word of prayer, Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, I pray that you will speak through me this morning and that anything I say is yours, Lord. And I just pray that you'll be with me and you'll be with the congregation as we get into the word now. In your wonderful name I pray, amen. I remember when I was a kid, I had a habit. It was a bit of a bad habit. It was a bit of a dangerous habit. I was a climber. I would climb everything. At Memorial Church, where my dad was a pastor, I would have been about five and a half, probably close to six. There was bricks that came out of the brickwork. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Like, they almost perfect for a kid to climb. And I didn't just go a little way up. They went all the way up to the top of the church. And I saw it as an opportunity to climb. And I remember I'd go to the church with my dad. He'd have Bible studies. I'd walk around the church. Every single time I came to these bricks, I consider climbing it. Anyway, eventually I climbed them. I didn't just climb them a little way. I got about five metres, six metres, seven metres off the ground, climbing up these bricks as a little kid. And then my dad came out and saw me. I'm sure if you're a parent, you've probably had that moment of worry or fear go through your heart like that. I, I don't know what that feels like, but I'm sure it wouldn't feel good my dad was like, Andrew, come down. So I started to climb back down. Now, going up is easy, right? Climbing back down, that's a whole different ball game. So I came down a little bit, and I got down a few metres, and I got to a certain point where my dad said, Andrew, just jump off and I'll catch you. I trusted my dad in that moment, and I jumped off, and he caught me. Now, it wasn't just those bricks that I climbed. I climbed trees, I climbed fences, I climbed anything I could get my hands on. I remember when I was, uh, in our house, we had a bookshelf that was built into the wall. I don't know if you've ever seen those. It was attached to the wall, and I saw it as something I could swing off. Now, I can tell you that didn't end well. It ended up with me in hospital with stitches into my back where I've now got a scar. But I learnt 
that whenever I climbed up something high, my dad was there to catch me. I would take the opportunity to climb because I knew my dad had a promise to me that he would be there to catch me. My dad has always been a bit of a guide in my life, a bit of an anchor. If I have something wrong, I'll give dad a call, and even though he's a little hard of hearing, he's got hearing aids, and sometimes he won't hear everything I say, but he always gives me good advice. He's an anchor. He's an anchor in my life. We all need anchors, we all need hope, and we all need promises. So, if we open up our Bibles, we're going to turn to Hebrews 6, continuing on in the series. We're going to turn to Hebrews 6, and we're going to hear about some promises today. God has made some pretty wild promises throughout the Bible. And we're going to discover how and why we know that God keeps his promises. And we're going to investigate about one of my favorite characters in the Bible today. So let's open to Hebrews 6, and we're going to start in verse 13 today. And it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he, being Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Abraham waited patiently. I don't know about you, but I'm not a very patient person. I can tell people to be patient, but I'm not patient myself. Abraham waited patiently. But what was this promise that was made to him? We'll see a little bit of it, of it there. But what was this promise? We can find out a bit more about this promise in Genesis chapter 12. Keep your hand in your Bible in Hebrews, and we're going to flick over to Genesis chapter 12. Now, Abraham, he has an interesting journey. Abraham wasn't a perfect guy by any stretch of the imagination. He had his issues. He made some mistakes. But at the end of the day, he was always a friend of God. He always turned to God. He was a man of faith. So what was this promise that Abraham was made? Now, reading here when he was still called Abram. Now, the, this is verse 1 of chapter 12. Now, the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Not a land that I've given you, a land that I will show you. This is all happening in the future. Promises. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed 
as the Lord had spoken to him. And he was 75 years old when he went out. Now, Abram, he was a man that had a house, had a life. He probably had everything sorted, or so he thought. But God promised him that he would set apart a land for him and he could go out and find it. It's very open-ended. In our modern world, we do not like open-ended things. We're a culture that wants the now, the me, for everything about immediacy. And everything can be accessed straight away through this and this and even our watches these days. We're in a culture that wants everything now. But Abram had to wait. He was 75 years old. And he took his wife with him, packed up everything, and off they went. My question is, would Abraham ever see this promise fulfilled? He would see the land, but would he ever see his promise fulfilled that he will have a nation that is more innumerable than the stars? We might turn back to Hebrews now, and we're going to go a little bit further back in Hebrews than what we were, to Hebrews 11. There's something in Hebrews 11 about Abraham. Now, we know Abraham was a man of faith. So we go to Hebrews 11, and we're going to start in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I don't know if you've ever been hiking with pathfinders. I've done it a few times. And uh, you generally have coordinates and... You can work out where you're going with a compass, and these days you even have a GPS so you can put in waypoints to where you're going. But I have a memory. I loved hiking, so I very quickly, as soon as I could, progressed to A grade. And I remember one expedition on the southern North New South Wales expedition. We're out at a place called Goulburn River. And the name of this one is Mount Misery. Is already making you feel really good about going hiking there, Mount Misery. And a few years prior, my first experience there was as a sea grader, and I got cacti into my legs, and it was seriously a miserable experience. But this time, I'm like, I'm an A grader. I've got this. In fact, I'm an A plus, I think was what they were doing at this one. And I was excited. Had my pack on. Nice and full, probably about two kilos too heavy, but I was tough. I was going to deal with this. A tough 14-year-old. So off we went. And I had lots of fun. But when I got there, we got told, these are the coordinates you need to get to tonight. And this is where you are. Work out your way from here to there. And when you look at a topographic map, everything looks nice and easy. I can just hike down this ridge, go down this saddle, 
and up this mountain and over that one and down to this one and we'll be there. And then you start hiking it. It's a whole different ball game. It might only look like it's seven or eight kilometers on the map, but it's more like 10, 11, or 12 kilometers by the time you get up and down some mountains. And I, even no one knew where I was going, I wasn't sure that we'd ever get there. Abraham, he went out not knowing where he was going. Can you imagine that? Just following the Lord. Do we do that today? We always have a goal. But are we game enough to step out in faith, not knowing where we're going, and trust in the Lord? And we read more in Hebrews 11, verse 9. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. There's a lot there. Abraham dwelt in this land that would become his. Even though he wouldn't see it, it would become his. And Sarah even when she thought she had no chance to have a child, means to have a child, God was really doing a lot for Abraham, a man that had stepped out in faith. God was doing a lot. And in verse 12, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. That's interesting. Abraham was as good as dead, right? What does that mean? It means that he wasn't going to see the nation from which would descend from him. That kind of sounds like he got one foot in the grave already and he's still trying to live, but Abraham the Bible says, was as good as dead. Yet from this man were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude. In Kurumbong, we probably have a bit too much light to really seriously see the stars in the sky. We can see them, but a little bit... We can't see them for real. And the other day... Um, when my dad and I drove up uh, last Friday, when we got here, the streetlights hadn't yet turned on. We could already see more stars than we could really normally see in Kurumbong. And I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity, but when I'm out hiking, there's no light around. And you look up, and the sky is more full of stars than we ever realize. Stars are being born and are dying all the time. And we're not, so there's many stars that we have never even seen the light of yet. 
It's as innumerable as the sky, as the stars in the sky. And from this we know that Abraham's legacy would be great because God had promised it to him. And from hindsight we know that his legacy was great, yet this great legacy came from a man who wasn't perfect. He had issues with his wife, he had issues with his kids, he had issues in his home. But he was considered a friend of God due to his faith. He trusted God's promise. He didn't get stuck in the mess that is life. He kept on moving. He kept on following God. So how does God make promises to us? If you flick back over to Hebrews 6, just a few pages back, we can learn how God keeps his promises to us and how does he make them. So we read in verse 16, For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Have any of you ever made a promise? And when you actually think about it, I did this the other night, I sat down and thought about it. When we make promises, we often use something greater than us to say that we're going to come through on the promise. So, for example, if I, I promised Tim that I was going to preach this weekend, right? But for Tim to be sure that I was going to preach... I needed to be backed up by my college to where I was being sent here, and also I was backed up by Neil Thompson, who decided this was a good place for me to go. I was backed up by people greater than me that I would come through on my promise. We struggle to just take each other at our word. But God, God's a little different. And we can read more. Thus God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. He just confirmed it. Because as we read before, in verse... Where were we? In verse... 13, it says, Because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. There is no one greater than God. God comes through on his promises. We know that. And verse 17 and verse 18, it says, Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay the hope set before us. The example of Abraham is one that shows that even though we may not see the work of God in our mess, we may not see the work of God right where we are, we may not see the work of God in the moment, we can trust that he will keep his promises even if we don't always get to see the results. Often in ministry, 
We do things. I do things where I know I'm never going to get to see the results of that. I experienced that this year. I ran a division at Big Camp. I uh, was silly enough to say yes to my father. And I said, yes, I will run the early primary tent. And we ended up with about 130 kids coming each day, much more than we expected. 130 kids that my team and I, we touch their lives every day. But we're probably not going to know the results of what we did. All that we can do is trust that God has promised that through what we did, people, the kids, will be saved. I'm lucky enough to have seen just a little bit of the impact that we made. Um, I do Bible studies and I do chapels at Avondale School. And I hopped up the front of chapel the other week and I had about half the kids in, the con- in chapel go, Pastor Andrew, Mr. Maker, Mr. Maker from Maker Fun Factory. And that was really cool to see. But it's a rare occurrence that we see the work, we see the results of the work that we do. And Abraham was no different. He wasn't going to see the results of the promise that God made to him. So, Abraham was quite old. We know this. And Sarah was also old when God fulfilled his promise to her. These people weren't likely people to be used. If you looked at the people on earth at that time, you wouldn't think that Abraham and Sarah would be used to start this great nation. And as is typical of God, he picks those that are the least likely to do his work. People like you and me. God chooses us to do his work as well. He's promised us something in the Bible. And we've been, you guys have been hearing a bit about those promises as you've been reading Hebrews. God has promised us something. Jesus has promised us something. But we often see Abraham and Sarah take things into their own hands. They try to do things themselves. They try to do things without God. And for some reason, it never ends well. Whenever we try to do things without God, we get stuck in the mess of human life. We get distracted. Abraham and Sarah are no different. They made that mistake sometimes. But God works in his time. We don't see the results immediately, but he turns the impossible to possible. He turns the can't into a can-do. When I was a kid, I used to watch Bob the Builder. And I loved Bob the Builder so much, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen it. They've kind of destroyed it, in my opinion, today with some new animation. But back in the day, I'd watch that show religiously. And the reason was, Bob had a saying, can we fix it? Yes, we can. I loved that. As a little kid, I thought that was the best thing ever. And as I've gotten older, I've seen that God is kind of like that. No matter what mess 
in my life I bring to him, no matter what mess in our lives we bring to him, can he fix that? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. No matter what mess Abraham and his family got into, can God fix that? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. God comes through in his time and in his way and according to his purposes. Rather than playing with God or trying to meddle in his story, sometimes you have to let go and let God take control of that situation. We have to let God take control. So this morning, if you're feeling useless, if you're feeling like the least likely person to do God's work, if you feel unworthy to be used by God, remember Abraham. He had his messes. He wasn't a perfect man, but he trusted that God would come through on his promise. It was through these old people that God used. God uses old people too in the Bible. He made a difference through Abraham God comes through. In verse 16 of Hebrews 6, we see that we as men have to swear on other people in order for our promises to be assured. God, however, can make promises. He's guaranteed by himself. He makes a promise and he keeps it. And we see this time and time again in the Bible. We've got Noah. God kept his promise to Noah. He saved him and his family and all the animals. He delivered the Israelites from captivity time and time again. He sent Jesus as the Messiah. He kept his promise there. I think about 300 times in the Old Testament, Jesus as a Messiah was prophesied. And he came through. God follows through on his promises time and time again. And in Hebrews we've found out that Jesus has made an important promise to us. So Jesus came down to earth and he died for us. And he made a new covenant. He promised he would go and he would make a place for us. He'd make a place for us. And sometimes we forget that there's lots of seriously important things that Jesus has done. And one of them he's doing for us right now. Jesus is doing something of extreme importance for us right now. Jesus is our mediator in the sanctuary. In Hebrews 4, we're told that we can run to Jesus because of this. And the fact that Jesus is our high priest and mediator means that we have the opportunity and we can boldly approach the throne of God because we have no reason to be afraid of doing so. We read in verse 19 and 20 of Hebrews 6 that this hope we have as an anchor, an anchor, of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, 
where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus becoming high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We have an anchor. We have a hope. A hope that is 100% sure and steadfast. It keeps us close. When things go wrong in this world, we have a hope, we have an anchor. When we're suffering sickness, disease, we're not feeling sure of ourselves, we have a hope, we have an anchor. No matter what our lot may be on earth, we can say that it is well with my soul because we have Jesus. A Jesus who before the world was formed set up a way to deal with things when things go wrong. Jesus would come. He came. And he lived as a man to show us the way to the Father. He would become obedient to death. Jesus became obedient to death to show us the way to the Father, to be an anchor, to be a hope. He would die for you and me, and then he would rise and ascend to heaven, and he is now today mediating for us our great high priest. It's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? It's the gospel right there. We learnt before that Jesus, that God guarantees his own promises because there is no one greater. And God promised us that he would go to heaven, be our mediator, so that we can boldly approach the throne of God. Is that sinking in? That is massive. It's massive. We can boldly approach the throne of God because Jesus is our mediator. The Jesus that came to earth, died for us, was resurrected. He defeated death. He defeated death. And he's our mediator so that whoever of us believe in him, we won't perish, but we'll be able to have eternal life. Jesus is doing this for us right now in heaven. So why don't we have the faith of Abraham? We have Jesus there, our mediator. We should have the faith of Abraham that we can step out in faith even if we don't know where it will lead. Jesus is our mediator. Jesus has made us a promise. And because of who he is, we know that he will keep it. And what he's doing for us in a sanctuary, we can now boldly approach the throne. Abraham was a man that did not doubt God, even though he tried to do things for himself. We do get stuck in our mess. But my challenge to you this morning is, can you step out in faith like Abraham did, boldly approach the throne of God, even if you don't know where it will lead? Give up the now, the me, the I want it now. Give up. All of the things of this world, we don't need that because Jesus is our mediator in heaven. My question, do you 
have faith in the promises that Jesus has made us, that God has made us? Yes, you do. Do you have that faith of Abraham? The same faith that we can have today. Jesus is our mediator in the sanctuary. Do we believe that? And what are we doing? We need to step out in faith. We need to go out. We need to preach the good word. We need to share the gospel. The Bible tells us that when we have this faith, when we believe in him so strongly, our hearts naturally want to share the gospel with everyone around us. I don't know if you've ever felt that yearning, that desire, that I need to share this with this person because I want them to be in heaven with me. So today I challenge you, do you have the faith? Do you have faith that God will come through for you?